0: for 50% off, visit rosettastone.com slash startalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. universe is filled with secrets
1: and mysteries, leaving us with many questions to be answered. Now more than ever, we find ourselves searching for those answers as the very fabric of space, science, and society are converging. Here for the first time, these worlds collide. As we give you the knowledge that breaks the barrier between what is science and what is merely pop culture, this, this, this is Star Talk.
2: Now, here's
1: your hosts
2: astrophysicist Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson and comedian Lynn Coplets. Star Talk. This is Indeed Star Talk. I'm your host, astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson. Lynn Coplett is in the field this week. Remember, she's a stand-up comedian, and she's around town. Making people laugh as a substitute co-host. Who I had uh, what? What other choice did I have but to get my main man to join me as co-host of
1: Star Talk Radio? Bill Nye, the Science Guy. Bill, welcome as my co-host to Star Talk. Oh, it is so exciting to be here, Doctor Tyson. So exciting! Welcome to Star Talk, ladies and gentlemen. We're gonna. <laughs> Talk about
2: stars. Well, the universe, really. Uh, The
1: stars being a big, being a metaphor, being a shorthand.
2: Shorthand, that's fine. And you know, Bill, I'm usually only accustomed to hearing a one minute version of you as we slot into every show. It's great to get you here in person to see if you have more than one minute of content to deliver us today.
1: Content. (laughs) So, content, just if I speak to that briefly, content's what we used to call the point. I don't know what that means, Bill. Yeah, so, yeah. So uh, it's great to be here, everybody. We have many things going on. We have asteroids coming our way.
2: Well, let me give get, alert the the, the audience of so the subject of the day is because uh, I I never cease to be impressed with the appetite that the public has for cosmic subjects. So today's subject is going to be sort of this space and the public appetite for it. And the public interest for it. And I got you here because you are man in the public who knows the pulse of oh, yes. the nation's- On the pulse of the th- nation's the pu- pu- of the a, a interest pulse, in the space. The pulse of the nation's interest in science and in space. And later on, we have a special guest, the one of the founding members of the uh, the Planetary Society out here in, in Los Angeles. And who Angeles. on earth would that be? That would be- Who the, in the universe mm-hmm. would that be? Lou Friedman, the executive director of the Planet Thinker Society. We'll be hearing from him a little later. So, Bill, you know, I I feel like, you know, every time I have a guest host who's like a comedian, they got the hots for you, you know? It's just, just,
1: could be a lot worse. I I don't know why we don't interact with these people a little more ourselves (laughs) at Ni Labs. That's very nice. Ni Labs. What are Ni Labs? What do you do in Ni Labs? Ni Labs is my corporation. What is that? It's uh, well, I, mean, I, I picture you in a lab coat
2: behind sometimes, test tubes. Sometimes
1: and... we're at a workbench. We have soldering iron. Sometimes the, who's what, is this? We is you? Uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> is this how you refer to you? Is the we? Yes, we <laughs> refer to us as we. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, I do uh, uh, some stargazing. I do some soldering. I do some. Uh, so wait a minute. I can have the Tyson Labs because I do that at home yes, too. Yes. Yes. Knock yourself out.
2: All right. All right. Just just checking. Just checking. So, Bill, Sir S- William, may I call you? That's Sir that's my w- affectionate term. It for you. is charming. Yes. Sir William. Roger Tyson. Uh, there, you you've surely gotten this question. I get it all the time. People say, "Why are we spending money up in space when we have all these problems here on Earth?" and i try to give the answer and and i'm fatigued by it and i'm wondering what 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 i'll tell you what i give you tell me if you got something better so that i can add it to my repertoire what i say is that if you spend all your time looking down you'll miss the asteroid that'll come <laughs> which yeah, comes from space for, that's right like for example. like number 1 okay and number 2 the two planets that flank earth if we can say flank. Flank. What's to our left is Venus, all right? And what's to our right is Mars. Each of them is a planet gone bad. Venus having this runaway greenhouse effect, 900 degrees Fahrenheit on its surface, carbon dioxide atmosphere, and I did the math, it'll cook, a 16-inch pizza on the windowsill in nine seconds. That's how hot it is on Venus. Mars once had running water. It is bone dry today with all this evidence of of water having cut its surface with meandering riverbeds and floodplains and, 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 so, and... So close. River deltas. And so similar. These are two planets to our left and our right, that have gone bad. And here we are saying, so I don't need to worry about space. I'm just going to worry about what's happening down here. And we're turning knobs here on Earth where we could learn about those knobs gone bad on other planets. Now, and the that kind of you them.
1: referred to, are these
2: are climate knobs. Well, yeah, these are metaphorical knobs. Metaphorical these are, knobs. These are as though... Could, Earth- be touch
1: okay. could be a touchscreen. Okay. <laughs> could be a touchscreen here The video game Earth- that we are playing with Earth's atmosphere yes. <laughs> right now. And yeah, you- yeah, serious business. So this is, uh, that's a... Fundamental justification is uh, we have climate change happening on our planet, a worthy thing indeed to study the climates of nearby planets that are in so many ways so similar in size, in uh, yeah, Venus is, uh, is considered
2: our twin, uh, if not for the temperature difference. You'd weigh about the same on Venus as you would here, were it not for the fact that you would vaporize.
1: Vaporize. On- and, <laughs> and, the, and the rain, which really is sulfuric acid. The rain on Venus. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't hit the ground because it's it's so hot it uh, it evaporates before it gets to the surface evaporates the sulfuric acid sulfuric acid rain it, it reminds me very much of the game I hope all of us have played as young people where you're in a room of your house and you can't touch on the floor you can't step on the floor because the floor is the lava floor is like lava and then I just did that with my kids like two days ago
2: I had to like carry them look from the couch to the bed. And I'm thinking, uh, how, aren't they too were you old for in this? you
1: lava-proof shoes or something? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Grown-ups don't fall into the lava, apparently. That's wow. my eight-year-old kid. He's like, I, he, beat he beat me in chess three times. Travis. He beat me in chest three times a month ago, and I got to carry him over the lava floor.
1: Well, it's, it's dangerous. Now, what about <laughs> what about monsters? No, no. I, 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 I train them to not be afraid of monsters. The thing what? is that monsters do not like light. So if you turn on the lights... Until you're under the covers, the covers, as you know, provide a force field. That's true. <laughs> very similar to a force field of gravity or a force field from static, uh, a static electric charge. But this force field from bed covers repels monsters. That's very well documented. But that aside, we do not have anything like that on Earth. We do not have covers we can slide under. We do not have a light we can turn on that will repel the monster that will be climate change. So in New York this summer didn't get to be 90 degrees till day before yesterday a couple of days ago yeah. Yeah. yeah remarkable thing is that evidence of climate change probably not uh, that it's flooding in uh, in thailand 8 feet of rain feet being an old unit uh, referring to length Look! It's look! Regular people use feet. Maybe two and a not. Half maybe meters. not. In nye labs. All well, right. Not everywhere on Earth, except this one country. <laughs> no, we're the last country. As a metric system's a big thing with me, and Dr. Tyson has this old deal where he embraces Fahrenheit. It's crazy
2: because but, it's tradition. I excuse me. There's enough. Actually, America is almost entirely metric, if you hadn't noticed lately. Because you, I, when was the last time you bought a quart of Pepsi?
1: Never, sir. Okay. So that's the one industry, the beverage industry, embraced it. Not so, only that, you're. Okay, the I want to talk. About about climate change right. but
2: let me ask you, us this you almost
1: got me started there wherever, you know there, you four, lost. Go on. wherever there are four astrophysicists there's there's a fifth <laughs> not funny unless you're of a certain age to remember liquor or spirits being sold by the fifth of a gallon now it's wherever there are four astrophysicists there's 750 milliliters sure okay not quite as funny so...
2: Neither was... I, I,
1: <laughs> well. The first one was hilarious, if you're of a certain age. Okay. So uh, the um, the problem we have with climate change is it's it doesn't happen very fast, and uh, there's so many variables in the Earth's weather. Wait, but, but we're trying to decide whether we spend money in space. You're making so the argument to spend money on Earth. No, stay tuned. You, to observe, to have so-called comparative planetology, which I believe you... Started in on, that is to compare one planet to another. All right. A very, very worthy endeavor. We're there. Furthermore, I defy anybody, and this person may exist, I have never met her or him, who can look at the moon, the Earth's moon, through a telescope, or through, if I may, a pair of binoculars. You may. And not be just plain astonished.
2: At how pockmarked it is. Yes. So so what? What does it have to do with why people should spend money? First of all, that's remarkable.
1: And it's the kind of thing you want to know about as a human. That if, a nearby thing in space looks
2: like it's got its its face riddled with bullets.
1: Yeah, and that, if you stop and think about
2: it, is wor- worth a uh, pause for thought. Sure, but we've known that we have this blanket of atmosphere to protect us. And so why nobody's worried about asteroids at the level that you'd have to worry about it if you were on the moon that it has no atmosphere to protect That's you. A,
1: a, a, here, I want to l- address a larger point. What? It's not just the asteroids and the cometary impacts, the impactors, yes, or impactrices, should there be impactrixes. Should there be female impactors, yes. Very reasonable. I don't know how many women you've uh, Never mind. We won't go too far there. But uh, it's just something that is remarkable, that you can start wondering about your place in the universe. By looking at the moon. And I know this that you preach this. You're being devil's advocate. I'm still
2: waiting for the money part of this, by the way. So, by the way, let me I'd remind the listener, you're listening to Star Talk Radio. And I'm your host, astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson. And my guest co-host this week is the one, the only Sir William, Bill Nye the science guy, who's right now pontificating on how and why it is we can and should spend money in space when people might otherwise think to spend that same money here on Earth.
1: A very an ancient question among humans, or at least humans with governments, so, uh, Well, ancient in the era of space exploration. Yeah, just so. <laughs> the so
2: Sumerians we, were not worried about spending money in space.
1: It's funny you should bring up the Sumerians. Funny to me. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt the Sumerians had some pretty good astronomy. Sure. Didn't they?
2: They so, all did, because th- what else are you doing at
1: night? Well, not did- just that. Your life depended on it. Sure, and, yeah. not, and not only that, what else were you doing at night? Yeah, well, your life depended on it in the sense that you wanted to raise crops, you yeah. wanted to have
2: food, you wanted to eat. You raise children, you grow crops, but go on. Okay. It's just a point. Of-
1: <laughs> uh, I'll claim that you haven't done a lot of farming. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's not, it, it doesn't take care of itself. All right. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so in, other, in other words, I claim that the modern interest in asteroids... Uh, that came to be, the interest came to be on account of looking at uh, dinosaur fossils, mm-hmm. uh, is akin, is relevant to our survival in the same way that knowing the motions of the planets and the moons was relevant to survival of people in uh, in, uh, in prehistoric, I mean ancient times. Say, uh, well, I didn't, I was reluctant to say ancient. Let's say a few thousands of years ago. Yeah, all right. That your life depended on it. And so it very well may, may very well may be that the asteroids oh, could take us out if we're not vigilant. And this comes back to this thing: you just want to know what's out there. This is what you preach. I know you're playing devil's advocate, but this is what you preach: you just want to know what's out there. So it is reasonable for any society that wants to know its place in the universe to ask the two fundamental questions of all humans: where do we come from? Are we alone?
2: Yeah, but I that but I agree with you. That. Spend
1: a little money, and on I'm it.
2: after you to find reasons beyond the ones I gave you. To Six minutes ago, what
1: is this another invoice? I'm gonna get
2: <laughs> you no, gave me reasons and I owe invoice you, you. You owe me reasons beyond the ones I gave for why we should spend money in space and not on Earth. And the ones you all me- the money that's spent in space is spent on Earth. Sure, on space-related things. Yeah, yeah. Right. but
1: you want to okay. know your place in the universe. You want to know if you're alone. And mm-hmm. now we have a, what may be a life-and-death question associated with an impactor or impactrix. I would claim that the people who are at war and the people who can't
2: pay their next month's rent and the people who can't find food are not worried about our place in the
1: universe when I'll they're faced you with they those are. problems. I'll bet you they are. And yep. if you say to them, would you be willing to buy one extra cup of coffee a year to know this stuff? Almost no, no. Everyone you meet will say sure. And if they, oh, so I don't like coffee. Pick, okay. pick your beverage. One extra luxury beverage a year. Would you do it? And people say yes.
2: Yeah. All right. So it's a money. Th- it's it's the, it's how much money is not being spent that they don't know about that allows them to say yes to that question. Whoa.
1: Whoa. <laughs>
2: what? <laughs> You're saying they'll agree once they learn how cheap it is. Not if it was expensive as they thought it was that that would still work.
1: Yes. Let's say, say I agree with that. <laughs> Sir William. Can I ask you this? Maybe. Go. Isn't it break time? Yeah. Didn't I... We're going to take a break I in a kinda, minute. Didn't I kind of s out at break time? Yeah. Sorry about that, everybody. I was trying to give a dramatic flair. Bill, uh, so Bill Nye, yes. the science guy. Bill Nye, the science guy, reminding you that space exploration uh, is not only fascinating, but may also uh, save your life.
2: We'll find out more about that. After the break, you're listening to Star Talk Radio. See you in a moment. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery
1: A space cadet, or a rocket scientist. We want to hear from you. The phone lines are open. Call now. This is Star Talk. Welcome back
2: to you, Star Talk. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, astrophysicist. Lynn Coplitz, my usual co-host, stand-up comedian and actress, is in the field doing what she does best, and that's making people laugh. In her stead. I yanked from the ether the one, the only, Sir William, I call him, Bill
1: Nye the Science Guy. Bill, welcome as my co-host to Star Talk Radio. It is, it is an honor. to. Uh, I'll do what I can to fill Lynn's shoes, and I mean that only figuratively.
2: Because <laughs> uh, I saw some shoes she was wearing recently. It That'd would be, be a, very challenging. Very interesting yeah. if, in fact, but that's just you covered those shoes.
1: Well, I, I, I'll tell you, as a human, as a result of evolution here on Earth, I am a huge fan of women's shoes. Okay, I don't, that's a I different don't, show. I don't, I don't wear them, but I, I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm kooky for them. Now, <laughs> we'll come back to that one in another well, show, no, no. Well, it's All evolution. Right. So, uh, oh, by the way, you, talk-
2: can, you can track us on the internet at startalkradio.net. Just, I it's to your
1: homepage. I'm sure it's your homepage, ladies and gentlemen, so just just turn it up loud during this segment. <laughs> so, 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 Lou, I want to bring in, uh, we got a special guest
2: today. Because uh, right no, now,
1: notice that Dr. Tyson just called me Lou, which did I, I call no. I find thoroughly charming. And here's and there's a reason he called Bill. Me Lou.
2: Bill, we have a special guest today. We have Dr. Lewis Friedman. Dr. Lou Friedman, welcome to Star Talk Radio, Lou. Well,
3: it's a delight to be here, and I've got to say, uh, I'm uh,
2: enjoying it very much. <laughs> Lou Friedman is one of the three founders of the Planetary Society, based in Pasadena, California. The other two co-founders include the then-head of the Jet Propulsion Labs in Pasadena. It's a branch of NASA responsible for seeing, building, conceiving, and designing and tracking missions to the planets. Uh, his name's Bruce Murray. And also the third member of that, Trinity, was the one and the only Carl Sagan, the late Carl Sagan. So, Lou, you founded the Planetary Society. Why? Well, the idea was that the public
3: was fascinated by this exploration, the adventure of going to other worlds and discovering things there. And at the same time, the federal government was canceling the planetary program. So they had this Great dichotomy: public interest and political uh, killing the probe. So the
2: government. When you say the government was, you mean they were withdrawing money from NASA to send probes to the planet? They
3: were. They were actually going to cancel all, all planetary missions in the 1980s and eliminate planetary science as a discipline in NASA.
2: So you you said enough is enough. And Carl
3: Sagan and Bruce Murray said enough is enough. We're out there every day finding all this public interest. Let's do what public. What you do with public interest? Form a public interest group. And they said, Lou Friedman, <laughs> what are you doing? these
1: days, not much, so they brought me in. and uh, This is in 1979, 1980, that's that right. Yeah, yes. exactly,
3: and uh, I had just come from a stint uh, working as a Congressional Science Fellow in the U.S. Congress, and uh, I saw the same political dichotomy there, and so I was very anxious to work with them on this problem. Now,
2: how do you know that the interest wasn't genuinely there, and it wasn't just because Carl Sagan was just a, this amazing popularizer who got people interested who would not have otherwise have been? Because, Bill, you spent time at Cornell while Carl Sagan was a professor there did you not take courses with the guy i did yes did you not like the courses he gave i was kooky for him kooky for, for him or them or the uh, course for both all of the above for
1: m apostrophe <laughs> em and he's a, he was riveting uh a riveting lecturer and i'll say this you meet these people from time to time he was another guy at the top of his game he uh went on to win a poet's Prize, but he insisted on teaching astronomy 101 mm-hmm. he wanted to get the peeps from the get-go. Right. And let me say to the radio audience, so does Dr. Tyson. I have seen him teach Astronomy 101 at a school back east someplace. Princeton. <laughs> Wasn't it Princeton? It was Princeton, yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, uh, this 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 passion is shared by uh, all these guys, these p- three people that started the Planetary Society, and the other people who work there, uh, Charlene and on like that. They're all passionate about space exploration. And I just want to throw this credential in about Dr. Bruce Murray— he was called the Admiral of the Solar System.
2: This is the third in the triumvirate, there. Yeah,
1: and so you're, we have here today our guest, Lou Friedman. I read just to talk some more about me. I read Doctor Friedman's book about solar sailing, Ooh. and uh, it was written in 1975, I believe. <laughs> and so the solar sail. Well, wait, so is the still concept of
2: Admiral of the Solar System and sailing the sailing sailing the space. Go. This is a. This is an old metaphor now applied to the universe.
3: Go to planetary.org and you'll see our logo has a sailing ship, uh, not
2: a spacecraft. Which gives the misleading impression that there's like wind in space. Uh, there is a solar wind but it is not what is used for the force for solar sailing and it's Sol- certainly not what's used for that spanish galleon that you have <laughs> in, in the iconic image for the planetary society very small effect solar wind on the sea It's surface. evocative you Neil. Know. Okay. It's, it's evocative You okay all right to folks, look at it with your left uh, with your right brain so the, the website is planetary.org yes planetary.org. planetary.org all right so so look at it with your left your right brain people not your left brain <laughs> so so lou the the so you took it upon yourselves to 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 capture this public sentiment in favor of space exploration and shove it in the face of the government. A- it, absolutely it work?
3: right. It did, worked. Uh, planetary exploration wasn't canceled. Uh, we've had a great influence on uh, uh, increased Mars funding, uh, increased uh, near-Earth object funding. Uh, what a polite
2: uh, way to say asteroid that might hit Earth when you say near-Earth that's object. Is that uh, correct? Fair enough. Absolutely. Very euphemistic there. Maybe you'd get true. even more money if you said mm. species killing rock. Exactly right. Exactly
3: right. <laughs> Death a, to
1: all rock. Right? <laughs> no, it's what it is everybody it's yeah. really a, the, these these objects which are very hard to detect could because they're little and dark little and dark but big enough big and, enough and, and especially going fast enough
2: they little enough so that earth will just shake it off but our ecosystem wouldn't yeah, yeah. just so yeah
1: right so go on go on so, Lou. so uh we became the
3: fastest growing public membership organization of any kind in the uh, country uh, during
2: those years now i uh, have a vague memory of receiving a letter in the mail back then that said Dear citizen of planet Earth, you are right. No, I didn't. I didn't feel that that was a very personal letter when I received it. I did. I joined. I joined (laughs) in the spring of
1: 1980. I didn't say uh,
2: who's this to. I mean, is this? I didn't feel like it was to me. You know,
1: one of these things
3: that happens when you build a large organization, a public interest group, you have to you you make these things. Carl Sagan used to be criticized for going on the Johnny Carson show because that was popularization. I know a fellow named Neil deGrasse Tyson who's criticized for going on the Stephen Colbert show because it's popularization it reaches out to people who are not necessarily in our discipline one of the things we had to do as an organization is say we weren't writing to our colleagues we're writing to everybody and we need to have these mass mailing techniques underlined sentences
2: short paragraphs reply now and that's not all folks do more so these attack you you use mass mailing tactics To drum up interest in the cosmos.
3: That's right. And not to to drum up interest, but to appeal to people who had that interest and... and, Wanted to join something. You, now you, in the eighties
2: and the seventies, we joined something. You're listening to Dr. Lou Friedman, the executive director of the Planetary Society, talking about the birth of the Planetary Society. Now going on thirty years, almost a thirty year anniversary. That's right. Having been founded back in 1979, 1980. And I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, on Star Talk, joined by my one day co-host, Sir William Bill Nye, the Science Guy, so who's
3: vice president of the Planetary Society. Uh, you that, point that's out.
2: A, I assure you, that's a coincidence of this show, right at this moment that I have <laughs> if a bomb off here boy. <laughs> <laughs> so Lou Friedman so, so now you've got this interest you get the government to reinstate the monies for for uh, the the planetary exploration per- of Mars, exploration of Mars and, and, and the like so can you declare that you have a finger on the pulse of public sentiment for space given
3: well, I, c- it, I can declare it whether I can prove it is a, is a much harder question of course er- you, you have a, a lot of things have to come together in public interest. You have to have the right time. You have to have the right excitement. Uh, it's really an easy argument to make. People have wondered since the beginning of time about their place in the universe. About I claim if they're
2: hungry, they're not wondering that. And so we're no, in a I think serious economic Beca- strife right because now.
3: Because j- just the metaphor of the family is what, what works here. If No matter how poor you are, you have to worry about food, clothing, and shelter first. But you still want to educate your kids. You still mm-hmm. want a little money to go to a book, even in a poor home. Right. And that's what we do as a society. Even though we have to worry about the basics, we have to worry about all the crises of health care and, f- and uh, agriculture. But what it says. And, uh, and, and global look, warming. I agree. We still have one desire to know more about our
2: place i agree but it's by the very way you gave that explanation you've prioritized it to come after the family solves the food shelter of course it
3: comes after of course i want to build my home before i want to get a book for my children but that doesn't stop me from working on it all
1: that's right you have to do everything all at once including buy the book for your family even though you're hungry So, what's the status of it now? How's how's it going now?
3: It's going pretty good. NASA has brought us incredible results from all over
2: the universe, and what what the missing part of That's it all That's a great is, sentence, by the way. They, yeah. <laughs> they say, hey, look what Mommy and Daddy got me from all over town. And you say, <laughs> NASA's brought it in from all over I mean, the universe. It's
3: just so remarkable to think what we're learning about uh, uh, hydrocarbon lakes on Titan and these uh, channels on Mars and the evolution of
1: Mars and Venus that you pointed out earlier.
2: Hydrocarbon, these are methane lakes on yeah. Mars. Methane like the gas that comes out of your stove if you live in the city. Earth-sized,
1: Earth-sized right. planets orbiting other stars. Uh-huh. Okay, it's all there. So, uh,
3: yeah, But what's missing is is the human element we don't know what to do with humans in space and we haven't known what to do with them since the Apollo days and right now that's the big issue gripping NASA is so so where are you you
2: going to land there what are you going to do Uh, I'll I'll tell you the reason why I ask is because if your original point of advocacy was to get us back to explore the planet we're doing it so you've succeeded so so close
3: up shop we're doing it with
2: robots we no, have so bigger visions. Thing.
3: We have bigger visions. It's not just sending machines to other worlds. In some way, we're projecting ourselves, and we have to go.
1: We have to go. So here's here's a technical argument or a, or a
2: scientific argument. But just to back up, uh, Bill Nye, the science guy, if you didn't otherwise know, has a professional background as an engineer. So the guy, is when he speaks and he says first some 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 tech background it's time to listen go
1: sure it is because uh, (laughs) i was i was the best engineer ever no i no i i've given it a lot of thought i understand the technical problems associated Mm -hmm. with putting people in space it's an expensive business because people have to eat and so on breathe Uh, breathe that's another thing and and so on so uh you studies have been done they're very reasonable a human does in a minute mm-hmm. what a robot does. Our very best robots, built by the very best people we can find, they those robots do a, in a day what a human does in a minute. So, if we have a very cool thing to go study, for example, an oncoming asteroid, be very reasonable to send people there and chip around, chip around with rock hammers. So a, if that's work. correct, Bill,
3: and I think it is. Uh, that means a human is fourteen hundred and forty times better. Than the robot, and so we should be willing to. That pay was some 1440 quick math there, Forty. <laughs> it's closer to, in the the astronomical cost. terms. It's around hundred thousand. Okay. It's a factor so should, of hundred thousand. So we should actually. Well, I was thinking we'd be willing to pay. let times more for a human mission. Just than a to robot
2: confirm, mission. Lou. Fourteen hundred and forty minutes per day. Yeah. Just to confirm. Yeah. Okay. So that would but be a ratio eight of, hours, yeah. of effectiveness of the yeah. human brain versus right. the best human robot. A human brain designs, and bills. So Lou, l- yeah. l- l- I got to change subjects because we got a lot to still do right. in this hour. You, what is your next project to get people interested? Well, I think all
3: projects in space exploration somehow relate to this key question about what is life. Okay, where did it start? Was it origination life we're as we know s- it?
2: Life as we know it. Where did we, we come from?
3: Mm-hmm. And what we're doing? In that case, Planetary you mean everyone, Lou, I mean
2: uh, Bill, Bill, not just you. I yes. got you doing it. Uh huh.
3: What we're we're doing at the Planetary Society is we're actually sending life for the first time on a purposeful experiment out from Earth into interplanetary space. We're going to bring it back, these microorganisms, and see how do they survive the journey. Can life go between the planets? Did it originate someplace else and come here? These are really uh, great questions. This
2: is the panspermia concept,
3: right? It's
1: crazy that life started on Mars. There was an impactor or impactrix there Mm -hmm. three billion years ago, and that thing got in so-called complementary orbit and found its way to Earth, and we are all actually Martians. Descendants of Martians. That is not a a crazy thing. So, Lou, you're trying to test this idea in reverse, taking Earth life...
3: Yeah, it's called Life, the Living Interplanetary Flight Experiment, and we're putting it on a round trip. What uh, a cute
2: acronym! I Give like you it. applause for that acronym. <laughs> the, the Life Interplanetary Living Interplanetary Flight, Flight, Experiment. Experiment. Flight, Experiment. Flight
3: Experiment. All and, the kids are doing it. And and what we're going to do is put it on a Russian mission, which is going to a moon of Mars, sampling that moon of Mars, and coming back. Sampling to Earth.
2: means reaching down, grabbing a piece right. of it, and bringing it back.
3: And and they're going to uh, take a round trip, uh, which is very rare in interplanetary space and bring it back here.
2: And then you're going to see if that trip had any odd effects on the bugs that you well, sent out. Or down. could they even survive? There's yeah, the could cold they survive? and there's the radiation. Are you right. getting the hardy bugs or are you getting ones that we'll see? No, no, no. Which yeah. one? We know they're ones that we will survive. We are
3: picking ones that we think have a chance to make it. Yes, we are picking ones that uh, should be radiation resistant. You've got to give them a
2: running chance. Yeah,
3: we have to give them a running chance because uh, any life that makes it, is really, inter- is, is really the first uh, demonstration of that whole So thing. could
2: the high-energy rays in space deform the DNA of these bugs so that it comes back as some super do, virus do, 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 or some super oh. bacteria? No. Not, are you worried about this? No, I'm not worried about it. Could it happen? Anything can happen, but am I worried okay, about Lou it? Okay, no. Lou is not worried about this. We right. will have to wait until this break to find out... Why Lou is not worried about a bug being altered in space with genetic identity altered in space and coming back, destroying life on Earth as it did in the movie, The Andromeda Strain, which we all seen.
1: Oh, that was a different form. That wasn't life from Earth That's coming right. and going. We'll talk about oh, that when oh, we get oh, back. Okay. That's we get why back, we'll be we safe. <laughs> okay,
2: we'll see you in a minute. You're listening to Star Talk Radio. Welcome back to Star Talk. This is Star Talk Radio. I'm your host, astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson, with my guest co-host. One day only. That's you only get him for one day. Sir William Bill Nye, the Science Guy. Bill. We're back on StarTalk. You know,
1: it's exciting to be back. <laughs> and we're here also with uh, Dr. Lou Friedman, who's the executive director of the Planetary Society. And if you just joined us, we were discussing the LIFE mission, the Living Interplanetary Flight Experiment from the Planetary Society. Full disclosure, I'm the vice president of the Planetary Society. Dr. Tyson is on the board of the Planetary Society. But here's the thing. We're going to send living things from Earth. These are bacteria and a piece of the tundra. To Phobos. Piece of the Russian tundra? Uh, no,
3: actually, it turns out we're sending all three life forms—not just bacteria, but also uh, uh, the uh, you, uh, the archaea and the, euka, uh, and the eukaryotes, eukaryotes. Uh, eukaryotes as well as well as a colony of uh, tundra. But it turns out we got our co- tundra from the Negev Desert. Uh, Wait, what does a colony of tundra mean? Well, okay. it just means that you've ta- you've taken a soil sample and you have different microbes in so, them. So whatever without is isolating each one of them, in addition to the individual isolation. So whatever
2: species. is native to that scoop of soil. is...
3: Exactly. what's going. Because right. uh, you
1: want to see interactions as the well. The ecosystem, okay. yeah. yeah. So then the question came up right before break, uh, Dr. Friedman. What if one of these uh, organisms mutates and comes back able to kill us all? Well... <laughs>
3: In uh, point of fact, they'll be handled very, very carefully in, in laboratories. That Lou, that doesn't sound convincing alive. enough. I need but, more. People handle smallpox. But, they handle bubonic plague and, uh, without uh, killing us all. And, and in science, you can never say it cannot happen. Just you so. can't just go and, So I can't tell you, no, that won't happen. I can tell you that we know these, uh, characterized all these uh, microorganisms very, very carefully. We know what they are. Uh, we think we know uh, what. Uh, that this kind of genetic engineering along the way won't happen uh, and But if even it if it does that's something to be, be
2: dangerous even if it does yeah. happen that's something to study yes oh, exactly exactly okay. and it's
3: uh, and, uh, and it's the reason that we're actually conducting this uh, activity to see if there's any uh, effect and on on the survival and the growth or so this is a, of these
2: things this is an unshielded spacecraft so that general cosmic radiation can hit it it, as it would any bacteria that stows away on a rock that was flung from the surface Well, that's of a a, the
3: key. You, you, you said the key point: inside a rock. So, in general, a bacteria, even when it's uh, coming from another planet, is shielded. It's inside the rock, and we sort of have an artificial rock by having it in a capsule inside the spacecraft. So, it's okay. sort of simulating the idea of being of uh, how you'd make the journey. They don't make it.
2: So, so it's not old. encased in lead, but no, it's, encased it's, in well, it's encased in something. Well, it's encased in fabulous exactly. aerospace metal. Right. Well, yeah, but not and, enough to block. That's the radio. right and, and there'll be radiation
3: the environment and, and there in case, and it's a vacuum and it's now, open, this and sounds, this a this Now, this sounds list.
2: very cool. And is this drumming up public interest and public well, support? Well, it's the first time it's ever been done and we've been a little cautious
3: about how we uh, advertise this so far because uh, it's on a Russian mission and the Russian mission hasn't launched yet. Uh, and uh, until it launches and until we can be sure that uh, we're keeping the schedule and all the different engineering constraints are met, uh, then we'll probably publicize it a lot Why more. Why is
2: it on a Russian mission? and not an American mission.
3: Because there's no American... You know, the only country that's ever done a sample return from a, another planetary body uh, is the Soviet Union. No,
2: it's Americans and, because the astronauts brought moon rocks back from the moon. Uh, so, Sir. Did I, say,
3: did I say automated sample no, return? No, you didn't. Okay. <laughs> it was automated I sample I should have said automated. <laughs> All right. All right. First soft the, landing. First, first the, first the time first robotic pictures of the far side. Done. And so... Uh, Uh, The Russians are the only ones now planning a sample return mission. The Japanese uh, are doing one. It's a very interesting one to an asteroid, uh, and it's a Hayabusa mission. We should have gotten on that. It was a mistake by us not to think of this. We, the Planetary Society. We, the Planetary
2: Society. But we didn't think of this experiment in time. We're hoping to do it with the Japanese later. But let me just clarify. The Planetary Society is not some renegade space nuts. There's a premise
3: that... Are you
1: saying that there are renegades space <laughs> nuts? There are plenty. I are a governmental
3: organization who gets along with all governments.
1: what, what? Largest non-governmental space interest
2: organization in the world. Okay, but but the point I'm making is you're not just a bunch of space nuts
1: inventing stuff to do... Insisting that it's our manifest destiny to live on Mars. These are things that would
3: not have made peer review science uh, activity. We do them because they're publicly interesting and engaging, and yet they're well-conceived scientifically.
2: Well, so they wouldn't have made peer review because they're not advancing a science frontier as much as they're, in the interest of the Planetary Society, advancing a public... Uh, interest, a public Need interest frontier. Right, yeah. exactly. Okay, and another exactly. example of that but, was, would just be like Bill. Didn't you have you put you put something on a Mars rover? If I remember correctly,
1: uh, there's two things. And the, the you same, did this, and you say Bill Nye did. It's a little bit of an exaggeration. I uh, there are two sundials on Mars on Spirit and Opportunity rovers. The two rovers that are there now. They've been there, and they are casting shadows. And uh, as we sit here uh, in this meeting, uh, this uh, radio show, I want to remind everybody that sundials should have a motto. Our motto on two two sundials on Mars is two worlds, one sun. That works. And the man who created that motto is Dr. Lou Friedman, sitting right here with us. But Bill Nye is the one who answered the question. Bill. We know how to tell time. Why did we put
2: sundials on, a, on this spacecraft? <laughs> so that this would be do, a, an, ex, did, an experiment that would not s- survive a peer-reviewed ex, science Absolutely, panel. yeah. Why
3: all did right. we put sundials on Mars
2: anyway?
1: First of all, we need to have a shadow casting feature on the photometric calibration target. That is to say, you cast a shadow on another world so that you can look at the light that comes into the shadow from that planet's sky. If you've never done it on Earth, look at something very white and cast a shadow and you will see a little bit of light blue on a sunny day. Because that's the blue that's not the sun. That's the blue that's not the sun. The blue sky. If if you do a little thought experiment, if you're on the moon and you look away from the sun, the sky is absolutely black, jet black. Uh, Then if you do that on Earth, you look away from the sun, the sky is a beautiful blue, azure. So on Mars, it's this orange or taupe or salmon or mocha. Or something. And so uh, we're going to have mocha. a shadow cave. It's not mocha. Uh, a... So you can get in Stop a fist fight. Stop a tope. Stop a tope. You can get in a fist fight <laughs> in the uh, planetary sky coloring bar over that. So uh, we're going to have this shadow casting feature anyway. And I said, it was a wonderful opportunity to reckon time on another world. And it has it had great public interest uh, at first. We had a lot of sundial pictures. And it still has a background. And then we set up the Earth Dial project where we had about 50... Uh, ten times size sundials around the world with webcams on them, and we could then compare the length and direction of shadows around the world on a single websites. So it was became, big fun. This became a human participation yeah. activity, and it led yeah. to another thing called Voices, uh, which was what people sound like around the world who have built these sundials. It was these Earth dials. It was big fun. And uh, the sundials are needed. That's for who, just so the you know, that's
2: that's Bill Nye, the science guy, talking to you right now. Oh, and sorry. And you're yes. listening to Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. And our guest on this program, Bill Nye is my guest co host. But our guest in this program is Dr. Lou Friedman, executive director of the Planetary Society, the world's largest space interest group. Non governmental. Non governmental. He's, tell- he's been telling us about what activities they've been involved in to drum up community, public, national, international interest in space activities. And so, so, Bill, so you've got these sundials on Mars, and they would bring a level of public interest that the normal experiments on these rovers would not have. That's, That's the right. point.
1: Furthermore, there's one more detail, which is I think is important to realize. We put an inscription on there, on both of these Mars dials, as they came to be called, and uh, they are a message to the future, which, and they are inherently optimistic. What do they say? Among other things, we people of Earth built these in our year 2003. It says our year to get, in, to get around who's in charge of calendar reckoning. Okay. Our year 2003 arrived here in 2004. We built these instruments to study the Martian environment, learn about Mars' past, and prepare for our future. And then it says— to, That's not a very pithy statement. Then it says—well, it's it's, it goes around four edges of this thing that would fit mm-hmm. in the palm of your hand. And then the last panel says, to those who visit here— we wish a safe journey and the joy of discovery, and that is the essence of this enterprise. My I, wouldn't you also wish them a safe return home? <laughs> well, do it's, well
2: I, I don't. I hope. We, I hope Depends. they Depends. thought by of the that by the time
3: those are found, it may not be an important thing to have a safe
2: return home. It may by be true Not for you, because like you're, you know, how old are you now? Uh, also, so
1: Dr. Tyson, are we supposed to include <laughs> relatively young? We're we supposed to, to include. We hope you brought your favorite candy, I and mean, we were supposed oh. to like. <laughs> We hope you're not hungry. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, we this hope you're on fuel to get your butt home. Yeah. Well, but and this whole what if idea you're the one sending way,
3: messages to other worlds? By the way, you can go to planetary.org and read messages Planetary. from
2: planetary.org the the website of the Planetary Society. Yeah,
3: you have messages from Earth. It's it's a wonderful way to get people involved and we're doing it at the moon, we're doing it at Mars, we did it at at Titan and Saturn. Uh we're doing
2: it at Pluto. It, it, you do it throughout the universe. Uh, Speaking uh, of the, the moon, the why don't, why not uh, there's a lot of talk about going back to the moon as the next step. What you got issues with that? I have a lot of issues. I have with an that. issue. First, first of all, we did we, we should go to the moon first, and we have we did it 40 years ago. So you're saying let's go to the moon first? Hey, wait yeah, a minute. We already we, have. Let's go somewhere have. else now.
3: And and the, and the whole idea of the moon hasn't caught on, and it's not inspiring people because they know it's not the next step. It's the last step we did, and the second part of is it. Congress is Congress listening to you? I think so. I actually think it is. Were you just in the White House a and, couple uh, of weeks ago? Uh, and the uh, uh, whole thing, Yes, I was, but I was a tourist. I, okay, to, I, okay. to, I was a, I was a tourist in the White House, so, uh-huh. but I did see the president. He got into the helicopter while we were there. And he That's fun when up. they take off on that. Yeah, thing, it yeah. really was great. Uh-huh. But and the other aspect is Mars is the only world we can reach. <laughs> Sorry, Mars is the only world, the only accessible world that has oxygen, water, atmosphere. It's a place for humans. By the way, it's There's oxygen no bound world.
2: with other atoms, so you yeah, have to extract Yeah, it. it's in the carbon
3: dioxide, it's in the underground ice and so forth. But the fact is, it's the only world we can reach where we have those things. And
2: so it's the only world that And humans, not get vaporized on uh, landing, uh, 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 as yeah. you will on Venus. Yes, right. Uh, and,
1: uh, and my friends, there is water there. If we go to the right place it is reasonable that there are some sort of ev- there is some sort of evidence of life maybe there are even Martian microbes Mars probes and maybe we're even descendant from them that, my friends, is worthy of knowing.
2: Bill, you're spooky excited at that possibility. It's, well, if we find life on Mars, it will It's a big the...
3: upper about the whole idea of the universe being uh, full of life. And if we don't find it, that's also it's a interesting. Big downer, but that's, why isn't that also interesting? No, it's interesting. It's fascinating. But it, you make it. It makes it sound like we're alone.
2: You sound upset about that possibility.
3: I, <laughs> right. I don't know. I've I've pondered this for a long time whether or not we're alone is a is a uh, kind of a downer or uh, but it does. It, Are we, to we me, unique?
2: It, to me, it feels a little negative. We're going to take a break in a few minutes, but when we come back, what I want to ask the both of you is what what is the top ten list of things that must happen for to create and sustain public interest in space exploration lest the entire program get canceled and everyone just goes back to worrying about where they get their next meal. You're listening to Star Talk Radio. We'll see you in a moment. Welcome back to Star Talk, Star Talk Radio. I'm your host Neil deGrasse Tyson with a substitute one-time only co-host, Sir William, I call him affectionately. He's Bill Nye the Science Guy, Bill. Welcome, Neil. Welcome again to Star Talk Radio. It's so
1: good to be here.
2: And we have as our special guest the executive director of the Planetary Society based in Pasadena, California, founded nearly 30 years ago with uh, Carl Sagan as one of the trinity of founders. Another is Dr. Bruce Murray, then head of the Jet Propulsion Labs, and Dr. Louis Friedman, engineer. And I happen to know uh, a big fan of something called solar sailing a way to sort of fly without fuel, I guess. Is that right, Lou? Yes, it is.
3: And the lure of solar sailing is because it's the only known technology that can take us to the stars because you don't have to carry the fuel. Everything else, you have to carry something along. And it, it's
2: just we well, too- have to carry it provided there's no filling station yeah. along the way. You're assuming yeah. there's no filling station. That's right. I'm assuming there's no filling station. As there are as you drive across the country. You don't have to bring all the gas you need to That's drive correct. from L.A. to New
1: York. But somebody and, has. And, and so Somebody so- did it before you, with yes. Light,
3: with solar sailing, actually, it would be light sailing to go into uh, Stellar distances because you'd have to use laser light uh, powering you. Because the sun
1: gets too weak as you get too far away. and all the starlight is just two weeks. So, so you
2: get so you, so you get you, so
3: solar sailing is the way that we're going to someday go to the stars, and we're trying to take the first steps in that by just uh, uh, demonstrating how it works here in Earth orbit, and then moving out into interplanetary
2: space. So this is not metaphor for some new way to propel yourself. It's actually It's an actual sail. That's right. A, a surface that's receiving the the pressure from light from some source, if not the sun, then some laser that you've set up either in deep space or from Earth's surface.
3: It, it looks like a giant kite or a sail uh, and that uh, and you use sunlight pressure, not the solar wind, uh, mm-hmm. reflecting off the solar sail and uh, transferring your momentum from light energy into spacecraft energy, uh, which then picks up speed and goes through This the sounds like system. it would
2: be very slow.
3: It is. Uh, it's very slow acceleration, but it moves, uh, but it's continuously acting. So Every day, every second, you're, you're picking faster. up speed. And so uh, by the time you start g- uh, getting out to the distance of Mars and Jupiter, you're going hundreds of thousands of miles per hour, and you're starting to get out of the solar system So really this quick.
2: So that's a good point, because what most people don't know is that our spacecraft we send to the moon and to Mars or anywhere, they're basically coasting the whole way. They're that's not right. actually firing their yeah, engines. you go
3: on what's called a ballistic path. You're coasting in, uh, under the force of centrifugal gra- and gravity.
2: So before we went into break, I wanted to know from the both of you what you felt were the 10 hottest public interest things to do in space that might stand a chance of guaranteeing either good funding for NASA or space commercialization or whatever it would take to make sure that to ensure that we are a spacefaring nature in our uh, uh, nation in our future. So uh, two things, not two, 10 things, not two ten things. things. Yeah, adventure you, and
3: discovery. We have to keep up the Wait, sense of like adventure. Wait, that's like
2: mom and apple pie. No, Give me, no, no, I need I, details. We have, we have to
3: do adventures, uh, and we have to do we have to send humans where they haven't gone before Lou, beyond ev- the mo- Everyone agrees. We have to do solar sailing technology. Lou, we have to discover things that have never been discovered.
2: Lou, this is everybody agrees. Give me that's not specific enough. You can't go into Congress and say discover and explore, okay, and then they, they write your check. All right, what do you want to do, Lou? I'm, I mean, Bill, Bill. Steve, Henrietta, <laughs> Lou, Lynn. you get a demerit. Bill, give, tell me. Give. So we're going to go.
3: When we get
1: arguing, I notice everybody calls
2: everybody. <laughs> by <the other laughs> name. Here.
1: So what we're going to do, Dr. Tyson. Yes. We're going to go, and my fellow viewers, uh, listeners, we're going to go to Mars with people. And we're going to go to a place that is very exciting in terms of life. So you think of- you can
2: just up and do that and no. then say that no. that's an exciting thing to do when that itself might cost $100 billion?
1: Stand by. So what we're going to do first is go to some place where no one has gone before. And let's start with the Lagrange points. Now, you have probably loyal viewers and this is a this guy. This would be listeners. Yeah, uh, this is radio. Viewers, bill. listeners. <laughs> I know you're a TV the, man. Well, it's the most visual. medium. No one medium. can see you now. It's okay. the most visual medium. <laughs> uh, so we would go to the Lagrange points, and Lagrange did this fabulous analysis where you don't have to do the equations of motion. You just have to do the total energy, kinetic and potential energy. And so these are places where the gravity is in balance: the gravity of the sun, the earth, the moon, and the spacecraft are very nearly in balance. This is in a point in empty space where everything balances. Yeah, uh, All the right. middle mm-hmm. of nowheresville, mm-hmm. except it's not quite. So we would go up there and see if we can get there and back easily. Mm-hmm. Park some stuff there, maybe some fuel. And then we go from there to an asteroid. And we will make the same discoveries on the same level that the humans made walking around on the moon compared to the robots made on the moon. That is to say, the discoveries will be made, but the adventure will be there. Okay, so Lou, this what,
2: what Bill just said seems at least as a first step, a little more affordable than what you're
3: Absolutely, and, and that's quite right. You, I, I use the example is if you have to get to New York in the old days, not not now. You go to Cleveland first because it's on the what? way.
2: Wait, Some, what? <laughs> wait, Are you talking about stagecoach? yeah, I was talking, talking about, about. stagecoaches. You <laughs> don't you have go to, have to Cleveland, interim,
3: and we're at the stagecoach stage of exploring the solar system, so we have to have interim milestones. Sorry, I didn't work that analogy. <laughs> okay, in good. you Fine. go to Philadelphia on the way to yeah. New York from Washington, So okay. so, you do, so you do need milestones and Bill's quite right you got to have those interim steps to, so to from, make it s- on the way to mars san diego never, to san
2: francisco you go through la
3: you never lose sight of the destination Mars is the exciting place where the whole future of the human species, as far as an extraterrestrial species, as far as a multi-planet species, as far as life on other worlds is going to be determined.
2: You know what I worry about? If Mars is a destination and then we land there, then no, no, no one no thought no. about going anyplace else no, and that no, no, would no, end no, the program. No, no, no That's no. what happened in the Apollo no, program. Yes, so- but, but that's because the moon is basically
3: uninteresting. Mars will never be uninteresting. You mean you go it's to the moon? It's like or? it's like building
2: New York. It's like building Paris. You don't stop because you got one building up. You'll keep working at it. Lou, you're saying that we land six places on the surface of the moon and you're done. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, well reason. It, I, the
3: United States and the Soviet Union spent two hundred billion dollars on today's terms yeah. to prove that there was nothing of significance on the moon.
2: You're listening to Star Talk Radio. That was the voice of Dr. Lou Friedman, executive director of the Planetary Society, based in Pasadena, California. My co-host for this show only, in lieu of my, my other favorite co-host, Lynn Coplets the comedian, we've got Bill Nye, the science guy. Bill, what, what do you say about what, what Lou just said?
1: Well, bear in mind that we continue to explore the nearby planets and distant stars with our spacecraft. We continue to explore them with our telescopes. And people say, what are you going to find there? We don't know. That's why we're exploring. So what we will do is explore a place on Mars that looks very reasonable to have liquid water extant in, in early times or maybe even liquid water there right now.
2: As there's some evidence to show. There's,
1: a lot so there's some of seepage on the sides of it's an ravines. evidence farm down there, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we will go there with a sophisticated spacecraft and we'll go there eventually with people to see what's going on. And we may be discovering our origin this is not something we're going to spend billions and billions of dollars to compete with another cold war uh, uh government it's what we're going to do for the sake of all humankind but and i would maintain slowly.
2: but i would maintain that that's a naive outlook it's it's a, i want to feel what you feel but we all know we went to the moon because we had to beat the communists okay it was like kill the commie land back then and so that's what wrote the checks that's what signed the checks kennedy says oh we're discoverers and i'm a leader and let's go to the moon but the other part of that same speech is the commies are bad free world is good we got to do this to show them up without anybody to show up what incentive can you possibly imagine to drive this because i can tell you it's not simply to explore That's never been a good enough driver in the history of human species
3: but the idea of, of nations doing great exploration has been very important. It was important throughout the 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th century. Yes. Because it was a sign of national leadership of Britain, of Holland, of Spain. It wasn't just
2: leadership. And it's because now half, half of the western hemisphere speaks Spanish because Columbus couldn't get Italy to pay for his voyages. But the
3: idea that the United States would, would quit exploration while China, India, and Japan and oh, other I Asian that. So countries we'd be embarrassed are by coming up of that will be the Portugal of the future if we quit exploration while they're coming into oh, the future. Oh, okay.
2: Oh, no. so so what you're saying is you agree that it's not a good enough driver to do it because it's fun or interesting or enlightening to do. You're saying we should do it so that we don't come in last.
3: I say it because we want to do the best. We want to be the, the best. That's euphemistic. You
2: just said that China, everybody else is doing it I and we don't want to be left behind. But uh, uh, You don't want to be last. I, I, we I, want I to do our you, best. I don't, I don't fully agree. And uh, well, the time will. And the, the, don't agree fast because we've got like a minute left.
1: I know. Well, so we'll see what comes up in the last uh, with the next few years. But exploration of, of other worlds could change this one.
2: Are you sure about that? Certain. Lou, you sure about that too? I, I absolutely agree with. Ben. All right, all right. You we're running out of time here. You've been listening to Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your host. Star Talk Radio is funded by the National.